0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service.
1: Well, good morning, church family. It's so great to be with you to worship our Lord together with you this morning. Uh, today we're, we're back in our series, Meet me at the top with, uh, in Romans, at Romans chapter 8. Uh, as we've talked a lot about, Romans chapter 8 is probably known as, by a, a, a lot of theologians and those who study the, the, the scripture, is probably one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. And so we look forward to getting back in that uh, this morning and uh, just seeing what God has for us. But before we do, I just want to ask you a couple of things, or just let you know about a couple of things. Number one is that what's coming up in August, August 18th and 19th, a Friday evening for a couple of hours, Saturday morning till about 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon, our Married Life ministry team is putting on a marriage conference. Now, if you've been around Crossgate for, for several years, you know we've done these in the past. We did them several years in a row. Then when COVID hit, we kind of we weren't able to do that, and then we took a few years off Well, our team is back and, uh, and, do, and going to put on a marriage conference August 18th and 19th. Guys, if you have been to one of those in the past, I don't have to say anything. Uh, our team always does such an incredible job, and uh, it is such a blessing. But if you're new to Crossgate and you've not heard of what I speak of, I just want to invite you because it is such a wonderful opportunity to invest in that most important human relationship that we have, and that is uh, our marriages. And so if you guys are, are married, and uh, I want to personally invite you, I'm going to ask you, honestly, as one of your pastors, I want to ask you to sign up for that. Unless you're not going to be in town, unless providentially hindered in some form or fashion, I want to encourage you to sign up for that you will not be sorry. We're going to laugh, we're going, we may cry a little bit, who knows, but we're going to encourage one another, we're gonna have a wonderful time. This is the weekend before all the football kicks off and so it's a great opportunity before chaos kind of ensues uh, for the fall. In a lot of ways, hey, let's focus on just this weekend investing in our marriages. So when you leave today, or maybe you got one of these when you came in, some of our team was out passing these out, information about the conference, handing out some goodies uh, today. I, I, again, I, I can't say enough. We've got Dr. Johnny uh, and Leslyn Parker, uh, his wife Leslin, who's gonna be with us. They, they have spoken many years at The Weekend to Remember, Family Life. Uh, he's written several books. His wife has helped with those. They bring a wealth of wisdom and just encouragement. Just wonderful, fun couple that are going to come and lead us in that. You're not going to want to miss that. Matter of fact, I am so sure that I promise you. I made this commitment in the first service, and I and I I haven't seen Brian since then. So I know he he may be passed out. But if you sign up and register for that conference, if you are not if it is not encouragement to your marriage and you think it was a waste of your time, we'll personally give you your money back. And uh, because I believe that much in it. And uh, so do not miss that, that's August 18th, 19th. You can register, all this is, all the information is here, you'll get that on your way out, register for that. And I even wanna go one step further and invite the men. Husbands, would you take the lead on this? On your way home, with the card in hand, I want you to tell your spouse I want you to tell your bride we need to register for this I'll register for this or however y'all do that but do it, you take the lead on that and to say hey we want to do this everything in our culture is working to tear families apart we want to come together as a body of Christ you do not want to miss that it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time now speaking of marriage today Tula and I celebrate our 40th Wedding anniversary. I cannot believe it. I think. Do we have that picture? Look at that. Look at that. You probably can't see it, but I got a little mustache. You know, it's just it was a little fuzz. I had a lot more hair back then. Forty years, and it's not. And guys, it really. I just want to make sure you understand this before we go any further. It is strictly a coincidence that today we're going to be talking about suffering. Seriously, but I, I want to say to my beautiful bride just how much I'm so grateful for you. And uh, I have so much, especially in ministry, not so much I think probably with Tula, because most people that if you've been around for any length of time, you know that I they, they keep me around because of her. But I <laughs> but but seriously, we have always done ministry together. We have We have, it's been a heart that we've shared together, and we love to minister together. Matter of fact, some people would say, you know, why are you here today on your 40th wedding anniversary? Why aren't you off somewhere celebrating? Well, we're going to do that. We are going to do that. But I honestly, guys, I can't think of a better place that I'd rather be because I didn't know Christ when I met Tula. I thought I did. It was through her influence and through the church that she was attending that I came to faith in Christ. And we committed our lives to ministry vocationally. And we walked that journey together. And she is truly a partner. And when I, think about, when I think about that, it takes me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, that says, The one who has found a good wife has found what goodness is and obtained a delightful gift from the Lord. And I just want to say to her in front of everyone, and I did this in the first service, because, because you don't get this opportunity very, very often to say how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And, and like Proverbs 31, your children, your grandchildren, they love you, they adore you, and, uh, and I do too. And I pray for many more years uh, of service to the Lord together and uh, just so grateful for you. Well, thank you all for letting me do that. And, uh, and so I pray that, uh, again, that you will, you know, when you think about marriage, you think about the, 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 the importance of the health of that, that uh, if you are married, that you would sign up for that, that conference that uh, is coming up in August. Now, as I mentioned, we're back in Romans uh, chapter 8 this morning, and, and I just want us to, to jump right in. Again, we, you know, we have been on this journey. I think one of the reasons that Romans 8 is so powerful is because it's just again it's just full of theology of the gospel the truth of the gospel that apart from Christ that we have we're separated from God but because of Christ the law couldn't do it we're not good enough we couldn't live a good enough life and, and God the Father loved us so much he sent his son to die on the cross for us and if we receive that gift you know the very first verse of this chapter 8 talks about there is no condemnation there is there's is no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we receive Christ. His Spirit comes to live within us, gives us the power to live uh, by the Spirit. We still struggle with the, the flesh, but yet we don't have to be dominated by the flesh because of the power of God living in us. And, and as a result, we are joint heirs with Christ. We, we celebrate, and one day we'll be able to receive the full uh, weight of what it means to be a child of God. That one day we'll be in the presence of God for eternity. The one who gave us breath. And such, such a wonderful, wonderful uh, promise. And then starting in verse 18, it begins to speak about, as a result of sin, the fallenness of man. The fallenness uh, uh, of creation as a result. And, and, and how suffering is a part of our journey. So starting in verse 18, would you read with me? For I consider that our present suffering cannot even be compared to the coming glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits for the uh, revelation of of the sons of God, the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of God who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what, uh, but if we, hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we should pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to to God's will. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Because those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. And so what we read here, just as a brief synopsis, is that, is that Paul is speaking to the fact that, that we're going to have suffering in this world. But compared to our ultimate, the ultimate glory and the fulfillment of, of, of heaven, it, it, it really seems uh, a minor, uh, and, and yet all of creation, including hu- humanity, as well as, as, as the earth and all that is created, there is this groaning that happens, this desire to be restored, f- finally, the ultimate uh, restoration of our lives and our bodies with him. Uh, but verse twenty-eight is probably one of the most famous verses in this chapter, and probably is one of the most famous in all of Scripture. And it's one that we quote when we go through times, uh, through bad times, through times of trouble or suffering. And we know that all things work together for good for those who are who love God, who are called according to His purpose. You may have this verse. I'm sure that if you have your Bible open, I'm sure this verse is probably underlined. You may have this verse somewhere hanging on on your wall in your home. But here's the thing. If we're honest, that sometimes that verse can feel hollow. Sometimes it can be even frustrating to hear because while we can sometimes see good coming out of bad, sometimes we don't always see. Sometimes we can't see the good that is coming from our time of trouble or suffering. So I want to talk to you very quickly this morning about these verses from, that I just read from Romans 8, and we're going to jump around on them a few places. I first want to give you, though, three myths as a result of these verses, three myths that many Christians believe about suffering, that this passage and these passages correct. The first myth is that if we live well, we can avoid suffering. If we live well, we can avoid suffering. You see, many Christians, if we're not careful, we believe that if we live like we're supposed to, that we can avoid or at least minimize suffering. But notice that Paul assumes that in this passage that suffering is a part of the believer's life. In the very, very first verse that, we're, that we read, verse 18, he says, For I consider that our present suffering cannot even be compared to the coming glory that will be revealed. And so he says that, that in this present time there is suffering. In verse 21, he says, all of creation is subject to futility and in bondage to corruption and decay because of when sin entered the world. In verse 23, and we groan inwardly, it says, and we await our final adoption, our final redemption. Even if we don't even know, even if we, don't even, we can't even verbalize that, there is something in us, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, that longs for that final adoption, that final redemption. But there is nothing in this passage that assumes that if you are God's child, that you can avoid the realities of suffering. In fact, it says the opposite. Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble and suffering. In John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble and suffering, but take courage, I have conquered the world. By the way, many translations of verse 28 here are not ideal. Many read, all things work together for good, which could mistakenly take uh, to, to mean that they just somehow naturally turn out for good if we don't read further, Right? It's that kind of, so don't worry, be happy, akuna matata type of mentality. But the actual Greek makes it clear that God is the one who's working them for good. It's not saying that things that, we, that happen that are, are painful or that bring suffering upon us are good. It's saying that these things can be worked for good in this world in which we live. That is... Fastly and and furiously moving opposite direction of our Lord. It is only through a special act of grace toward believers that God redeems bad circumstances for our good. The second myth that I want us to see that many of us can believe when we're not careful is that suffering always points to some sin that we need to confess. See, the idea here is that in suffering, God is always trying to get your attention in order to correct some error, to expose some sin that you need to confess. And and let's be clear, sometimes that can be true. Affliction is one of God's tools that he has used and does and uses it from from time to time. The psalmist said in chapter 119, before I was afflicted, I, I went astray. God put Jonah in the belly of a whale to get his attention. And sometimes God puts us flat on our back so that we'll finally be looking in the right direction. But that's not always the case. See, suffering, Paul says, and, and what he's saying here is that it that in Romans 8 is it it doesn't appear in this case to be in response for anything that, that was done wrong. Matter of fact, in the book of, of the Bible that most deals with suffering that most of us think of is the book of Job. God makes it clear that Job was not suffering because of sin. God calls him the most righteous man on earth at the time. And Jesus was the most righteous person who ever lived, and he certainly suffered. You see, not all suffering is trying to correct something in you. And if it is, our Father is quick to let you know. It's like when my kids were young if I needed to punish them for for something that that they had done, I I would never go in and then just punish them and then they ask me, "Well, well, what is this for? And I would never say to them, well, you figure it out. I would always share with them, the punishment is because of this. You see, if God sends suffering your way because of sin, He will very quickly make it known to you what that is. And if you don't know, there's really a good chance that this suffering is, not like, is more, it's not like Jonah's wake-up call, rather, and more like Job's mysterious suffering. The myth, myth number three I want us to see is that we will always be able to find the silver linings behind our dark clouds. You see, this is the, the big one where people use Romans 8.28 at, at times uh, wrongly. They say, well, the Bible says all things work together for good, so where is the silver lining for this one? And of course, sometimes we can see uh, the silver lining. A car accident awakens an, an alcoholic to the severity of his or her addiction. Or a painful breakup sets you up for a more healthy or biblical relationship. Or sometimes we discover how a painful or confusing chapter of our lives prepares us for something that we're facing at that very moment. But in some cases, you're never going to have that moment. Sometimes you just don't see that. And in this chapter, Paul indicates that much of the good that God brings out of our suffering will be manifested only in eternity. Again, notice in verse 18, he points to the glory that is going to be revealed. It's not experienced yet. And Paul is even saying, and he's not minimizing our pain. He's not. Because if anybody in the scriptures, Paul certainly suffered we could go through a litany of the ways that Paul suffered. So he's not minimizing pain, but he's saying in comparison to what is coming, it, is, it seems light. In verse 24, he says, we're saved in hope, and hope of what is to come. In verse 25, he says, we have to wait for it. We eagerly wait for it with patience. Or maybe your, your translation says, endurance. But if we're honest, most of us, we want to live by faith, but often the moment that we can't see, the moment that we can't understand what God is doing, we are tempted to throw our hands up and say, where are you? Are you even there? We say that we want to live by faith, but we also want to be able to understand why every bad thing happens. And the truth is is that we're not going to understand everything that happens. We want to be able to say, Oh, I see that. I, I, I get it now. And that's why so often our life is a journey of walking by faith and not by sight. You see, faith means trusting God even when we can't see Him. Faith means, Paul is saying, waiting patiently until the end to experience resolution. It means not declaring a verdict over your life until you experience the glory of eternity. Have you ever noticed that the best movies that you ever watch are maybe television series. They have a long arc. They create a tension that is not resolved oftentimes to the very end. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't watch a lot of shows. But years ago, I got hooked on you know, at the very beginning of a series called 24. I, I don't know if any of you ever watched that, 24. It was a series that centered around, the, the whole season was a 24-hour period of time, and every episode was, a, was one hour in that 24 hours. The main character was Jack Bauer. He was a counterterrorism uh, operative who worked and saved, count, I mean, he saved our lives so many times, guys, I can't even explain it. If you ever watch the show. But 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 oftentimes when this every episode would come to an end, I would just want to scream. Because it would leave me what? It would leave me hanging. I didn't know how it was going to resolve. I had to wait till the next week, or I had to wait till the very end of the season. Sometimes there's a long arc that happens in our lives that We don't fully understand or see the resolution of what we're experiencing or what we have experienced until we get to the end. That's how our lives often work. We need to try and avoid the temptation to declare that nothing makes sense until we have gotten to God's finale, to the whole series of our life, the long arc. Well, right now, I want to invite some dear friends of mine, Joshua and Kathleen Tompkins. They're going to come and join me on the stage for a few moments, and, and uh, many of you know, uh, uh, you know Joshua. is our next generation pastor, and uh, of course, his wife, uh, Kathleen, and I've, I've invited them to come and, and join me this morning to, to kind of talk about what, what I've shared already so far just with an experience that, uh, that uh, these guys have walked through. Um, it really started, uh, Joshua, uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, you and I had hurried to, uh, to support an extended family member who had uh, a child had, had been uh, tragically lost their life and we had run over to the funeral and, um, and on the way back, we, we got to talking and, um, and, and you brought up the, the experience that you guys uh, had, had gone through and I couldn't get that out of my mind um, and I really felt like that, that God was wanting me to, to invite you up on the stage and, and, and allow you to share that story because I, I think, I think our, our body needs to hear that and you were gracious to say that y'all are willing to, to share. And so, um, would you just share with our family kind of, kind of your journey?
2: Yeah. So, um, this took place uh, about 13 years ago now. Uh, at the time, I was a young 20-something pastor in South Phoenix, and uh, I was also finishing up my bachelor's at Arizona Christian University. Kathleen was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she, had a, she had a job that she was still working part-time and Claire uh, was two and she was a terrible two-year-old um, to the core. She was a demon. And so our, our, our lives were very, very full. Uh, and at that time, um, Kathleen was full term um, with our son William and like we're just, we're just ready any moment for baby to be here. And uh, I remember uh, very vividly, I was in class and I got a text from Kathleen saying like, hey, I'm going, like I'm at the uh, clinic where she was there getting um, like a Doppler reading just to kind of hear the baby's heartbeat and they couldn't find the heartbeat. I'm gonna let her tell the rest.
0: So I was 37 weeks pregnant and I was so excited to finally be close to having this baby because Claire needed a sibling. She was um, a very high maintenance child. And so we're really looking forward to have something else for her to do. And so um, I went to my appointment, and it was just a regular, yay, your full-term kind of appointment. And when they went to, put, to try to find the heartbeat, she couldn't find it. And so she was like, oh, this is a new Doppler, and I've had, had trouble with it, so I'll go get another one. And she, she tried that one too, and still nothing. And so as she was trying to figure out what was wrong with her Dopplers, I was trying not to freak out. In my mind, I'm thinking... There, this is just a, a Doppler problem. This is, the baby's fine. Um, but all the while becoming aware that I hadn't really felt him move until, uh, since the night before. The night before he was very active and he usually was. So um, while we were trying a third Doppler and trying to make the baby move, um, I just remember uh, really thinking, this this is not going to happen to me. This is something that happens in movies. We're fine. Um, and that's when I had to We just had to drive home at that point still not still not feeling the baby and still not having a heartbeat um, to try to get an ultrasound and see what was going on
2: so there was an ultrasound tech that met us in house and he set up um i mean it it felt like hours i don't know how many i don't know how long actually passed but i mean the whole time just trying to get him to move um trying to reassure her that you know this is we're going to be fine um, you know, we're just panicked right now, and so ultrasound tech came in, set up shop. He he hooked it up to our TV, and uh, the moment it was on the television, I mean, we just knew. And the only words I remember from the technician were just "baby didn't make it," and that was it. He packed up shop, uh, you know, said his sorries, and it went away. And we were just kind of left. In just shock, um, because you know in that that situation, we like, what do we do what's what's next after this? You know, like you know we called our parents, uh, told them, uh, called my my senior pastor, told him so that the church would be made aware of what's going on. Um, but then there was this like horror that like the the only thing that has to happen now is he still has to be born. You know, there's no surgery for this. It is just, we have to still walk through that process of him being born. And so, you know, we called the hospital, um, got there. And really that time is probably what I what I've always felt was the biggest blur of just moving from person to person and what they had to do. I remember Kathleen, you know, she's, Uh, a really big trooper in like natural birth and um that's always like been her like a big strength um and i am still horrified by that but you know her main thing was like i don't i don't want to feel this pain if there's no reward i don't i don't want to walk through this pain and so we we walked through the process of um, just getting her the pain medication that she needed so she didn't have to feel the labor um you know, and what what seemed to be again just hours of agony. Um, finally, he was he was born, and the term for this is stillborn. Um, and and in that moment, like after he was born, the room cleared out, and it was just it was just us. You know, we had an opportunity to to be with him, to look at him. Like he had my nose. He looked a lot like Claire. Um, unfortunately, he had my feet, um, and. You know we just took time to be with him in that short time that we had and i do remember there being um really a piece that we did not comprehend which i now looking back i know god protecting us i'm not just fully breaking down but we had a uh, a nurse that even pinpointed it where uh, her name's tiffany and she had walked us through this whole entire process and she remembers she, she communicated to me like, you know, I'm, I'm walking into this room expecting just sorrow and all of these things, and she's like, I'm walking into this room, and she's like, I'm, I'm seeing peace and, and even like joy, and she couldn't comprehend that. And I think that was a lot of God just being very present, um, you know, Then then they take them away. Um, It was the weeks that came afterwards and months that came afterwards that were hard you know there were lots of little things that would keep popping up that just kept reminding us that there's not a brand new baby in our arms Uh, i know for kathleen i remember just her struggling and and crying through like her her body is like you just had a baby like it you know there you should be nursing a child right now and her praying like god just please stop this in my body because i don't want to be reminded that i don't have a baby to nurse um, you know myself it was picking up his ashes you know driving and and picking up his remains and I, I remember i think i don't even made it a couple blocks um before i remember like looking in the rear of your mirror and it's like i you know there should be my son in this seat and it's not. It's just, it's just his ashes, and pulling over and just breaking down. And um, a lot of that through that time, it was just none of us really doubted God's existence. It was never that. But I mean, we were definitely angry with God. There was a lot of questions towards God, and there was no answer. Like, you, you talked about the mist. A lot of people were trying to point out the silver lining. And I would get, I would get mad and, and be like, show, show me the goodness. You know, how, how is there goodness in this, you know, in my son being dead? You know, show me the goodness. Like, I, I prayed in that room. Like, God, I know you're capable. If you could take the life out of my lungs and put it into his, you can do that right now. And, and there's nothing. And so still to this day, we don't have an answer as to why William passed. Um, Physiologically, there was nothing wrong with him. There was nothing wrong with Kathleen. The umbilical cord wasn't wrapped around his neck. His heart just stopped working. Um, And I want to let Kathleen talk about the the rest.
0: Um, I just remember sitting in that room after I had had him, and... um feeling this overwhelming sense of peace that I can't explain, and um, you know, that I know what that verse in the Bible where it says, a peace that passes all understanding, we had so many people praying for us at that time. I think that's really um, had a huge impact on on how we experienced this, and I remember sitting there, and I could feel myself at a literal crossroads, and I, I knew that I had every right to be bitter if I wanted to, and... I think that because so many people were praying for us um, and the Holy Spirit was just with us, that I also could see, I, I said, I can either be bitter and I, I feel like I have the right to be, or I can let this go and be happy. And I remember telling my mom, I said, I don't want to be sad about this forever. Like, this is just a dark spot in our lives, but it doesn't have to run our lives. Um, so I, I really feel like that was um, a direct Response because of the people that were praying for us. They had a, a big impact on us.
1: Well, guys, first of all, again, just thank you so much, you know, for sharing uh, this. I know that, <clears throat> and, you know, our, I know our church family right now, um, they're, they feel, they're feeling the weight of, 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 of your story. And um, yet the truth is, is that some of them, have experienced similar type of things and some of them uh, and all of us have experienced pain in some degree, um, but, but, I know it's, it, but I know for them, uh, your willingness to be vulnerable and to share this journey um, is so important uh, and, and, a, and such a blessing and I know it draws their affection and their love for you uh, to, to a greater place As as we kind of begin to 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 wrap up, what would you share, um, both of you, or you know how how are you into this? Just what do you believe that you know that learning that to walk by faith that that you're not seeing really the uh, until uh, until eternity? What do you think has been some of the things that God has shown you uh, in walking this path?
0: Um, I think that, well, I want to share this particular part of our story because it it is the part that um, I like the best. (laughs) Uh, I was sitting in the hospital room with, and I was holding Will in my arms, and uh, I just remember I was pleading with God, and I prayed. I said, God, please let me be holding a live baby by this time next year, and I don't, I I I don't get emotional about this because I'm sad. I'm not sad about this anymore. I'm just so in awe of how good God is because we were told that uh, we needed to wait two to three months before we should try to get pregnant again, which looking back is uh, insane. I, I mean, to have, to have an entire eight-pound baby and then get pregnant again two months later is a lot on your body. Um, but, and then I knew, okay, pregnancy is nine months, so in my mind I'm thinking a year, a year, Claire needs a sibling. I have to <laughs> have to entertain her all by myself for the next year, and um, and so I, I just prayed that prayer. Let, let me be holding a live baby by this time next year. And so um, we were extremely blessed. We got pregnant right away the first time that we tried again. And um, when I went into that appointment, that first prenatal appointment, and they put your dates down in their little circular calculator, um, she told me that my due date was going to be September. Uh, 9th of 2011, and that was the exact day that I had said that prayer the year before. And um, God is just so good. I, I took that as my rainbow in the sky kind of promise from Him that that's not going to happen again. And uh, He knew that I needed that because I clung to that throughout that entire pregnancy. Um, it was just the extra reassurance that I needed from Him. And I, I'm just so thankful that He was so kind to give me that
2: and for I mean for both of us, you know I, as I kind of walked through my anger with God, you know we would we would be home and would still be in deep grief and sorrow, but we still had this two year old bouncing girl like singing and wanting hugs and and just needed all of our time and attention and it was it was very clear kind of like like Kathleen said, is I can choose you know, to either remain in faith and, or I can be bitter. Like, I I can just continue to be bitter. And it was really just seeing that, yes, there is this sorrow, there is this hurt, there is this great unexplained, like, trial in our life, but at the same time, there is this huge blessing that we have that God has given us, and that, that deep reminder that, yes, the Lord does truly give, and He truly does take. And it wasn't, and that's why we named. Um, if you ever wonder what our, our middle daughter, her name is Joy Eliana, and that was she's named specifically because what God had done for her, um, that God has restored, our joy, um, and He did that because not just because we had another kid, but because He just really held true to His promise, and then He kept doing that, you know, with with Paige, and then Jack. And after Jack, we're like, we're good, God. Like, we got it. We're, we're fine. We, we're. <laughs> um, but man, like, it's so easy um, when there's this type of suffering to just focus in on it and forget what the Savior has done for us. Um, that as much as this pain is there in our life, God has blessed us 10,000 times more. And that's really one of the major things that got us through is just seeing his faithfulness. So, that question of, you know, is God good? Um, you know, we were able to come to the conclusion that, yes, we don't understand why this happened, but we do know he is good.
0: Um, one last thing I want to share is that we had um, so many well-meaning people come up to us and try to tell us uh, words of comfort, which was kind, um, but I think that a lot of them didn't know what to say, and so they would say things like, um, God works all things t- uh, together for good, or, well, even see things as crazy as, well, maybe there was something wrong with him, or he would have grown up to be some sort of murderer, and he's God is saving you from that pain. Like, seriously, I had somebody tell me that. And um, and even our, our pastor at the time, he's, I, when I was expressing that I was anxious, because I, I was pregnant again, and I didn't want this baby to die too, he said, you just got to trust God. And I just looked at him, I said, did I not trust God last time? Because my baby died, and I'm pretty sure it was trusting God. And so it just, it it just um, has, it just, God had to work on my heart with that. Because, I mean, saying to trust in God is not a bad thing to say, but uh, it just depends on your outlook of it. But all the things that people told me, the one thing that actually uh, I held on to and and really um, took to heart was from this woman, she doesn't even know that I exist. She didn't say it to me directly, but she and her husband were in uh, Mexico and they were running uh, church plants and VBSs for the Indians down there and they were having a huge impact on the community and there was people being saved left and right and um, suddenly her husband got sick and died and everybody asked the wife like, what, oh, this is so terrible why would God do this, um, You know, aren't, what are you gonna do now kind of thing, and why aren't you bitter? And the, the wife said, this life is not all about this life. And if you take a minute to wrap your head around that, uh, it's true, this life that we're living here on this earth is not about this life, it's about living for the next life and preparing for that. Um, and so because she chose to, to, to use those words and embrace that instead of bitterness, that she spoke into my life, and I know that I've shared this before, and, and um, a lot of people have been impacted by her words, too. So, um, I think it's important to choose to be joyful, even in sorrow.
2: I want to add one other quick thing that we didn't share in first service. The RN Tiffany that helped us walk through this process, um, she reached out to me uh, it was some weeks later, just about how she had um, really just a crisis of faith that had been in her life, and so, because of this, she was getting back into church. Um, I know eventually she gave like her life to Christ. The the thing that just kept you know God again giving us signs that He is in in this is uh, when it came time for joy to be born. Of course, we're anxious, like we're freaking out. We're now an at risk pregnancy. We have to do everything earlier. So we we put it in. We're going into the hospital. We're told there's no room. What well, we learned. That night, Tiffany was working, and she saw our name, and she's like, no, we are getting this couple a room. And she was actually there with us, rejoicing with us uh, for the birth of joy. And so for me, it was like, man, I just truly saw God come full circle on this where, like Kathleen said, it wasn't, it wasn't just about us. Like there was, there was something eternal that happened in the life of another person.
1: Well, guys thank you so much for again your your transparency and willingness to share this very painful season of your life and and, and um and uh and that journey that i know that you're still on you know and, 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 and ways in ways and and um we just want i want to pray for you uh so guys let's let's pray father i want to thank you so much uh, for, uh, for joshua and kathleen lord and just again uh, lord you you're well aware uh, of all that they've walked through in 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 that season and and as they continue to to journey uh and uh and and process and 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 as you continue to work uh, in and through uh, that in in them and uh and and how you have even used that in so many ways uh already uh, only you could do that uh, father i pray that you would just help them to know that 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 Father, that uh, again, uh, again and again, just how much you love them. That uh, that uh, your heart is uh, pleased that they, they they would they would share and and um, the, the, the rawness, the honesty uh, of of working through that that season. Um, Father, I thank you that you know that even when we can't see your hand, that we can trust your heart and. Um, help us in, in that. Uh, Father, we're we know that we're, we're, we're fallen and, uh, and in our weakness, uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would uh, you would just strengthen us and grow us even in our times of trouble and, and, and suffering. Bless this family and uh, Father, we look forward to the day that uh, we will all see their son again. And so God, we love you, and uh, we thank you uh, for this opportunity uh, to hear their hearts this morning. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's, let's encourage them this morning. I come, God,
3: I come Return to broken, the one who's torn me apart. You struck down to bind me up. You said you'd do it all in love, that I might know you. You're the one who's all I
1: need. Sing a song to the one, the only one that I need. Before we leave, I want to share with you, we, I know we're going a little bit long today. And I, I appreciate your patience, but I, I, wanted, I wanted to hear. As much of their testimony as possible. Because I think in so many ways, our testimony preaches the sermon. It it teaches us uh, as the realities of suffering, the realities of the broken world that we live in, the realities of pain and trouble. And as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made that decision, then how do I manage that? How do I Not manage it, but how do I walk through that? How do do I allow the Spirit of God to to work in and through that? And so very quickly, I want to share with you just some things that I want you to take with you uh, when you leave today. What, What hope does God bring in suffering? The first thing is that God is using all things to make me more like Jesus. We read this in verse 28, 29. That was... The verse that we kind of focused on in, in that regard. But oftentimes we forget the second part of that verse. It, yes, all things work together for good. Not that they are good, but can work together for good who, the, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And what is that purpose? Verse 29, for, the, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God's purpose in all things that we experience, because everything that we experience, both good and those that are bad, those that bring trouble and suffering, everything that we experience is a God thing. And what I mean by that is that God is working in every circumstance and situation in which we face to make us more like Him. This, this these words, these promises from verse eight or not so or Romans eight are not so much about giving us better circumstances as it is about making you and I a better person like Jesus. At every moment, God is working toward that. That painful chapter in your marriage, that setback at work, that chronic illness, all of it was for that end. And there will come a time, by faith, when you and I will see that all the painful chapters, all the heartaches... The tears, the disabilities, the disadvantages and disappointments, even those seasons of boredom and loneliness were used by God for one purpose, to mold you more, you and I more and more into the image of Jesus. So instead of asking God to get you out of the trouble, ask God what you should get out of the trouble. What is God trying to do? to teach you what is he trying to teach me I remember the man that led me to Christ I mentioned Tula's influence in her church and me coming to faith the pastor of that church led me to Jesus on my knees receiving Christ I remember one time I called him in a moment of of suffering and trial and he said to me he he said he gave me some words of encouragement but then he said to me Rob I don't know what God is doing but whatever he is trying to show you let him do it because God loves you so much that He'll bring that back around. There's something that He's wanting to show you about Himself and about you. Let Him do that. The second hope that we have, the second pillar, that, is that my story ends with the redemption of my body. There is a physical redemption of body, soul, and spirit that longs to be That that final adoption, verse twenty-two and verse and twenty-three. When you get to be my age, things start hurting. But there is there is coming a day when this body is going to be redeemed. My spirit is going to be redeemed, not just back to the days of my youth, but to a body like Christ's resurrection body. It's not going to ache or get sick or struggle. There'll be no more tears, no more pain. And along with my body, all of creation is going to be redeemed. And I know I look forward to that. The one thing that that Paul is saying, and I want to remind us of this, is that he's not minimizing our pain because he knew pain. But what he's trying to help us to see is that We're going to experience it, number one, but then number two, he's wanting us to see what is coming. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard what the Lord is preparing for those who love him one day. He's saying to us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, that that in light of the glory experienced there, even the worst things that we experience now are going to seem, not now, but they're going to seem like a light and momentary affliction once we're with Him. He's saying that compared to the glory that is going to be revealed, even our worst pain is going to seem light Here's our assurance, friends. Not one second of your suffering is wasted. Not one thing that happens in your life that has happened in your life is wasted and it is working, it is doing something. The third thing is that in the meantime, the Spirit perfectly intercedes for me and for you. In verse 26, the very spirit that resides in you as a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, even in those moments of grief and, dark, and deep darkness, when you cannot express your pain, the Spirit of God will pray for you the will of God to the Father. And let me just say this too very quickly. And, and, and the Tompkins would be the first to say this and others who have experienced something maybe similar to this. We've got to be careful. God is interested in all of your pain, whatever you're going through. Sometimes we want to minimize our pain because it's not as bad as someone else's maybe. But God is interested in your pain and what you are going through. And the Spirit is praying for you. The fourth thing is that what God started, He's going to finish Paul is saying, I, I know sometimes in your suffering you can feel like you're barely holding on. He says, but have this assurance. What God started in you, He will finish. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, For I am sure of this one thing, that He who began a good work in you will complete that work until the day of Jesus. Until He returns to take you home or until we take our last breath and go to be with Him, God will complete the work in you. He will complete it. So when you feel like you are barely holding on to him, be assured that he is still holding on to you.
0: We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer@crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.